Welcome to the Same Size Selling Podcast. I know this is a big surprise. I'm your host, Ian Altman. This week, I'm joined by a brilliant mind in the world of marketing and branding, Gare Maxwell. Gare, Gare is the author of this wonderful book, Big Little Legends. We're going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to marketing and branding and some of the insights he shares in an absolutely brilliant book. So, Gare, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Ian. Looking forward to diving in and being on the same side of this issue, which I know has tortured many leaders and marketing executives <laughs> literally for centuries, dating back to maybe Benjamin Franklin and before him. I'm sure. I'm sure it's, you know, that's that's something that's common for everybody. I, I want to tap into your expertise and start with with this question, which is what are the biggest mistakes or blind spots? that you see that businesses make when it comes to their marketing and branding? Wow, where do we begin? How You're about with tell the me. obvious? <laughs> How about with the obvious? The hypocrisy of leadership. Okay. Every business leader I talk to, Ian, and you probably have seen the same thing. They claim substantial differentiation really, really matters. And yet, the opportunity that leaders miss in our experience and our research is to create substantial differentiation simply by refusing to do what everybody else does in the category. So, so what, what do, do mean? I mean by that? G yeah, give me some examples. Yeah, so what do I mean by that? So just for example, let's use, let's use the, the, the old-fashioned radio ad, for example. Okay, the old-fashioned radio ad, we offer fast, friendly, reliable service at affordable prices. Our friendly and knowledgeable staff is here Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday, 10 to 4, for your shopping convenience. Where does that register on the personal give a shit -a meter Nowhere. That being said, B2B, they don't use radio ads, Ian, but they have websites, homepages, about us sections. What do you see there? For more than 25 years, XYZ has been a leading edge solution provider and our integrated solutions and our unwavering commitment to customer satisfaction, coupled with our core values of integrity, creativity, and teamwork lead us to become the outstanding performer in our field, blah, 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 blah. Ian, how, do, how else do we say it here on Same Side Selling? The words matter. So when you literally see website after website, we've studied it on our team more than 7,500. When they're all copy and paste, when they're all coming from the same marketing boilerplate, tell me, tell me that differentiation really matters? Well, maybe it doesn't. And this is, in my view, Ian, and you'll appreciate this, this is what happens when leaders abdicate their responsibility for creating long-term brands and they've put it in the hands of the marketers or the 22-year-old social media intern. They don't take this seriously enough at the highest level of the company. I, I tell my CEO groups all the time, marketing agencies and consultancies don't build and consultants don't build great brands. Leaders do. This is a leadership issue. It's not a marketing issue. Once the leaders take it seriously, 
and really invest some of their time and attention in then I mean, that's the subject of our book. That's the subtitle, right? Big Little Legends, How Do Everyday Leaders Build Irresistible Brands? It worked for Steve Jobs. It worked for Richard Branson. What we identified, how does it work if you're a small to medium-sized enterprise, you know, typically between $10 million and a $1 billion in annual revenue, how does it work in your space? Sure. And, and one, of my, one of my favorites that I hear people use is... In their marketing on their websites, they say things like, we're a full service provider, which I think is fantastic if all of your competitors claim to be partial service providers. Mm. But if they're not partial service providers, if in fact everyone else claims to be a full service provider, then that doesn't really help you stand out. So, so you share some amazing stories in Big Little Legends. And... It's stories of big little legends, people who created these irresistible brands. What are some of the biggest lessons that you picked up when you were writing the book? Well, it's and it's really uh, simple. Uh, it's it's understanding that you can't create. So first of all, the legend destroys all competitors in every product service category. If you create the legend, you basically make everyone else irrelevant. Ask people in the motorcycle industry who've been trying to compete against Harley Davidson for years. Now that might change down the road a little bit with shifting societal norms, but my point is it's like Starbucks is the legend in the coffee business. There's, there's legends out there. They line up, Ian. Every time Apple releases a brand new phone, have you noticed they, they line up? And so what we try and decode is how do you actually do that? It begins with a baseline understanding. You can't create a legend without a story. Can't be done. I, I, love, that, I love that you mentioned that because one, one of the questions I, I have for you is this, is how would you rate the relative importance of a company's products or services compared to the underlying stories that go with that product or service? Because I think a lot of companies place huge emphasis on our product does this, or our service right. has, you know, we have this capability, or our people have this educational background. And I would argue those things really don't matter compared to the stories, but I'm open to being wrong. What do you think? No, you're all your qual. What you're bringing up, Ian, is what I hear a lot. It's the quality argument. We have top quality. The problem is 99 other competitors are also claiming they have top quality. So from the outside looking in, which is what brand is all about. Brand is all about the perception and the reputation you're creating. Well, quality is nothing more than table stakes. So you can't create substantial differentiation off of the Q word. It's, I mean, unless you've got truckloads of money and a lot of time on your side, go ahead, but I don't recommend it. And, and, and one of the stories in the book that really emphasizes, you know, the point is the story of, it's one of Canada's greatest small business success stories. He comes from the worst category in the world, Ian, in terms of public perception and reputation. And Wait, he's yet, an author? Pardon me? He's an author? <laughs> no, Wait, he hosts it, a podcast. No, no. Uh, okay, he, go he's, ahead. He's, he's lower than consultants, politicians, and lawyers, and he sells used cars. 
Okay. Like you, you don't get much lower on the business credibility totem pole. And when I met Jim Gilbert in 2002, I'll never forget, as long as I live, the most profound words on this subject. He says, it's not about the four wheels and the piece of tin. And my jaw nearly hit the floor. What do you mean? He says, and this is 02, Ian. He says, everyone's got good cars. There's 22 car dealerships in a 100-kilometer radius. He says, we've got to figure out what's going to separate us. So in Chapter 2, we do a deeper dive on this incredibly unlikely story, but the principles apply throughout, which is this. Nothing really changed. And when I met Jim, he had five employees. He's got the little corner lot. It was it was tidy and clean, but he's doing like a million two, million three a year in annual revenue. So he's the small mom and pop, him and his wife working the business. In 2006, we changed, we didn't change the products. We didn't change the pricing. No, we changed the story. And we went on the air with 30 second vignettes and told stories of Canada's huggable car dealer, how he's the Romeo of Roadsters, the McDreamy of Drive, <laughs> the Casanova of Customer Focus. Stop by at Jim Gilbert's. Get your daily dose of Hugtonium, designed to improve your love affair with your car and your libido. What were we not talking about, Ian? Hey, we weren't talking about the cars. No. Yeah. For 15 years, this has been an incredible laboratory to understand how does the power of a great story positively influence buyer behavior in your favor. And then you juxtapose the never-ending story of Canada's huggable car dealer next to the competition. What are they talking about? Still, 15 years later, better quality, better selection, better service, better value, sure. better prices. They're all about product, product, product. And we went in a completely different direction, understanding, and I talk about this in the book, if everybody zigs, you got to find the zag. Sure. And more often than not, you can find the zag by creating a larger-than-life story. So in effect, the huggable car dealer metaphorically became the Colonel Sanders of used cars in Atlantic Canada. That's, you know, that's a business, Ian, that employs 38 people, does north of $50 million, biggest used car enterprise in all four Atlantic Canadian provinces. And it's the, it was the core origin story of where a lot of uh, our theories around how do you successfully create big little legends from anywhere in any product service category, um, we, we had an incredible a place to test these wild theories and, and and figure out over time how this can really play out. That's why it took, what, nearly four years to uh, research and write the book as well, because sure. we had to bring in all kinds of other examples to counterbalance what we were seeing firsthand there. Sure. And, and Gary, I love the fact that you talk about this idea of a used car dealership. In fact, in same-side selling, one of the stories we talk about is actually, ironically, a used car organization called Member Car in the Washington, D.C. area. And the story I tell is how I was basically on the verge of buying a, for lack of a better term, an exotic car. And the owner, this guy, David Wagelstein, David says, so are you planning to sell your current car and use this as like a daily driver? I said, yeah. 
She says, okay, you need to understand, here's what the maintenance is like on this car. You're going to have to spend, if you're driving it that way, you're going to spend fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year just in maintenance. He said, people drive these cars 2,000 miles a year. They don't drive these cars 15,000 miles a year, 12,000 mm. miles a year. They're not designed for that. So I just want to make sure you know. And I was I contract set up, ready to, ready to sign. I didn't buy that car. He directed me to a new car that wasn't a car that they sold. He only sold used cars. And the net result was that he lost the sale of a high-end exotic car and probably only received a million five worth of referral business over the ensuing five years of right. people I referred to him and said, this is a guy you can trust. And, and we bought some vehicles from him for um, for our family, bought three or four vehicles. And someone said, well, gee, so, so gee, this car was in an accident. So you got a new car. How many places did you look at? I, I just went to one place. I, I didn't need to go anywhere else. Right. And, and it's interesting because their reputation is such that people say, yeah, it's one of the few used car places where you know if you have an issue – they're going to stand behind it, regardless of what a contract says, regardless of what it says on the window. They're going to take care of you and make sure that you're in good good hands. And that's something that I think is is really a major distinction. So you, you use the example of of this used car dealer in Canada. And so I, I want to I want to talk about some of the B2B type companies. So the, the companies who sell business to business, because a lot of our audience is people who sell Sure. One business to another business. Where should people start when it comes to uncovering these stories? And I know you talk about it in the book, but I, I want people to hear straight from, from your mouth. How do you start? How do you come up with these stories and the foundation for them that you can build a brand out of? Well, they all come. And it, I, I love that story you just shared as well, Ian, because what you just spoke of was was values. All right. Like, those values, and by the way, what's the most powerful form of advertising? Always has been, always will be. Most powerful form is word, word of, of mouth. So by sacrificing the one-time sale, this gentleman's values has created a ton of word of mouth and referrals generated by Ian Altman. Does that, am I understanding the issue? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Same holds true. So the exact same dynamic holds true in the world of B2B. So one of the things we talk about in chapter eight, for example, is the power of icons and symbols, in other words, symbols and rituals, right? And so, for example, the huggable car dealer, uh, if Walt Disney was to conceptualize a used car lot, this is what it looks like because there's hundreds of teddy bears, there's mascots, there's merry-go-rounds, there's a two-kilometer nature trail to go walk your dog. So there's so many visual signals that are consistent with the values of that you just described trust integrity family caring kindness that's that's really who they are okay well in a b2b world in chapter 8 one of the best examples they've got over 400 employees they're all over the world they're in the mining business it doesn't get it doesn't get much more b2b than manufacturing and mining. They're called Raptor Mining out of Edmonton, Alberta, but they've got offices, for instance, in Miami, they're in South America, they're in different parts of the world because mining is one of those far-flung enterprises. And when I met the CEO, Craig Harder, 
I was just, and I had nothing to do with this, by the way. I showed up one day and there he was, and I, but I could see the magic he was creating. And based on the values that were already there, he went a step further. Oh, and that's the idea. You got to know who you are. And here's the question. This is going to challenge everyone today who's listening to this podcast. Who are you beyond the products and services? Simon Sinek talks about it in Start With Why. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And to honor Simon's work, I push it a little further. Yeah, well, who are you in terms of your identity? So if I say Nike, right away, the brain goes, oh, they're the just do it guys. They know, okay, Raptor Mining. <laughs> what Craig did was brilliant. He built a whole culture and brand around three letters, GSD. Which is? <laughs> How do you interpret GSD, right? It could be a goal-setting discussion. It could be getting shit done. But then he takes it as another step further because uh, he, he created a fictitious character. And the fictitious character is the raptor CMO with the dinosaur mask. And I'll never, ever forget for as long as I live... He and I are doing a Facebook Live segment from his boardroom a few years back, and he's got the dinosaur mask on. And the reason is because the Toronto Raptors were in the, you know, in the it, right in the in the depths of a big playoff run in the NBA. So it was it was great. Let's in Canada. Let's talk about the Raptors. Here's the Raptor. He's got the dinosaur mask on. Ian, and I'll never forget that deadpan thing when I asked him about what he feels about the Raptors and their chances in the NBA playoffs. And he, and he's sitting there with that goofy mask on and those gloves with the big, you know, and he's talking, he said, well, he says, you know, people may or may not know it, but we've been around for like the last 66 million years and we're very familiar with what it takes and blah, blah, blah. And I, I cracked up because but that's my point. Every post he puts on LinkedIn, every video that goes out on YouTube or on Instagram and the Raptor CMO is out there in inside their, you know, uh, machine shop or out there in the field with one of those great big payloaders with look, what are people noticing? They're noticing symbolic thought which is yeah. how you communicate the power of a story. You see, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Ian, are very familiar with the power of symbolic thought. Sure. Sure. But it goes to golf. What tournament, more than any other tournament, does the pro golfer want to win? It's the Masters. Why? And fundamentally, what is it, Ian? It's a green piece of cloth. How does your team measure up against others when it comes to being on the same side with your clients or prospects? Find out at samesideselling.com scorecard to take the Same Side Selling assessment. And if you want to learn more about the Same Side Selling Academy, visit samesideselling.com. If somebody is trying to initiate what you call in the book being your own media company. So you say in the book, yes. you have to be your own media company. 
what are a couple of things that people should start with today that will help them down that path of becoming their own media company? I, I think it become it starts with a strategic recognition that first you figure out your identity because there's no sense in my view, and this is somewhat controversial, I don't think there's a whole lot of sense in blasting out a bunch of content all over social media if you can't anchor it to a brand identity. And basically you've got two to six words to own that identity with. Nike is a great universal example. What are the three words, Ian? Just help me out. Nike, just do it. Right. And Nike's brand valuation annually is more than double their top four competitors combined. Okay. So if you're your own media company, let's use, in my view, the best in the world right now, one of the best is Red Bull. So when I say Red Bull, what's the whole thing anchored to? Red Bull gives you wings. Great. Sure. sure. But Red Bull at its heart is a media company that happens to sell an energy drink. And in the book, in chapter nine, we, we pinpoint the exact day. That's consistent through all 12 chapters. Where did the world tilt on its axis for some of these legendary brands? For Red Bull, it happened when they created their own magazine at the Monaco Grand Prix as part of the Formula One thing. But since then, they've really become a media company that just happens to sell an energy drink. Okay, great. That's great for Red Bull. How do you do it if you're a B2B company on a shoestring budget? That's the issue, right? Yeah. And so, so where uh, where where should the where should people start? Because right now, I guarantee you there's people saying, "Oh yeah, I want to be like Nike. I want to be like Red Bull. Those are consumer brands. I'm a right. B2B space. Okay, the Raptors. I'm probably not going to put on a a, a costume. Where, right. Where, where, like incremental steps. What are a couple ways that leaders can think about this idea of establishing their brand, make it so they're competing head and shoulders above the biggest in their field, where do they start? So let's go away from anything perceived as goofy, gimmicky, or silly. Let's just go totally into something. And, and I will bring it always back. And I do this in my consulting work all the time, Ian. Let's bring it back to values. Now, in the case of Craig Harder from Raptor Mining, playfulness is one of his core values. So that makes sense, right? Sure, sure. Sure. Let's go to a company uh, called Thermalwood Canada. And I love this example, and I love your question because it illustrates, well, what do you do if you're not that extrovert, okay? So Bob Lennon is is the, the chief architect, the, uh, you know, uh, of Thermalwood Canada, and they're in an extremely niche category, Ian. They they manufacture thermally modified wood. Like, this is a rare uh, space to be in. They sell to people all over the world. They're based in northern New Brunswick. And the two words that the, the whole brand is anchored to is northern heat. So metaphorically, it's about people, you know, bringing the heat, making a difference, that, that type of thing. Now, Bob is not that guy. Like I said, he's an engineer by background, but you know what he is? Big, and I mean big community guy. His thing is all about community. So he does a thing every, he does a show 
every Friday. It's called the Northern Heat Report. And what does he do, Ian? He, his entire focus is on people in northern New Brunswick or other parts of the Maritimes who are doing great things for the community. How many stories can you tell on a weekly basis, whether it's the SPCA, Junior Achievement, Chamber of Commerce, local musicians? Keep going, Ian. How, how, how many stories can you uh, sure. spin out of this? Sure, sure. You could, you could spin as many as you like. You can go forever. I couldn't believe it two weeks ago. On my feed, I saw on Bob Lennon's Northern Heat report that pro basketball is coming to his town. And it's important for me to say this. I didn't read that in a newspaper or hear it on the radio or see it. On, where did I see it? Because Bob Lennon is the media. He's a media company that happens to manufacture thermally modified wood. Got it. And, and Got I, it. And so, I mean, you're doing the same thing, Ian. You're, you're, a, you've created with what you're doing with your podcast and everything. You're the media company that happens to be in the sales consulting business. Well, I think, I think part of it, part of it, gear. If I, if I think about it, is this notion of making it so that the, the story sometimes is a case study about your company. Sometimes it's sharing stories about things that are relevant to your customers that might have nothing to do with what you sell. So oftentimes I share things that have nothing to do with same side selling per se, but it's right. things that people in the world of same side selling are going to want to hear about or know about that will help them. There's a reason why in the same side selling Academy, we have a whole section called outside experts and it's people who have content that would be complimentary that isn't necessarily sales driven or marketing driven, but it's more, how, how do you help motivate your team? How do you, how do you align with, with what's important to your customers and things like that, that would be relevant to them. And I, and it sounds like that notion of if you're trying to create these stories, you want to talk about your customers. You want to talk about the community that you serve more so than talking about your own products and services, because I think what moves the needle is someone says, wow, that customer really had something great. And I think the, the thing that oftentimes gets missed is this notion that anytime you tell a story about a customer, the customer or client needs to be the hero of the story, not your company. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, totally. So what, go back to where we were earlier. If it's not about the four wheels and the piece of tin, Everyone's got their metaphorical equivalent. It's not about your products and services. As soon as it's about your products and services, you're not doing brand marketing anymore. You're doing an ad. You're doing direct marketing. Two, the, these disciplines are wildly polar opposite. There's direct marketing, the late night infomercial, the cold call, the RFP. I get it, right? Spammy emails. That's direct marketing, right? Brand marketing is not about driving traffic and sales. It's about creating community and a reputation like the guy you described earlier, right? And so in brand marketing, you want to be at the forefront of creating conversations and a community around something much bigger outside your product and service. Can it be your customer? Yes. Let's use Nike as the universal example. 
did they not weigh in with content related to inspiring Americans to get out to the and vote? I think they did that, right? Did they not pick up the torch uh, in terms of the Colin Kaepernick thing? Absolutely. That had nothing to do with shoes, everything to do with values. Sure. Now, people can question the values. They can debate the values sure. all day long, right? But Nike knows who they are. <laughs> they are yeah. cutting edge. They are, they, they're all about initiative. They've never backed down in terms of taking a stand in, in those types of, you know, in, 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 with those types of issues. But my point is that, Ian, is that you can be that. You can be the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can be Masters. You can be the Raptor mining guy. <laughs> With his dinosaur head. You got to know who you are. You got to step into your story. And and it can't be about your products and services. It just can't be. As soon as it goes there, you're in the category mosh pit with everybody else. So, So, Garrett, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Well, I and I thank you, Ian. Um, I'm the easiest guy to find online because the, the unique spelling of my first name, which is Gare, you're on the air with Gare, used to have hair, once worked with Ric Flair. So G-A-I-R, everything's on the website, but also we walk our own talk in that sense is that we do a program called Leaders and Legends. It's our own little Netflix style approach. About 90 plus percent of the episodes are on video. And and, and we give it all away for free because we believe that this future that we're all kind of, you know, getting acquainted with in terms of, let, let's face it, no one, Ian, no one, I got the prop right here. No one's racing out to build brands through platforms like this anymore. <laughs> the Yellow Pages dude ain't coming back. We've gone from Yellow Pages to YouTube both literally and metaphorically. And would you believe, Ian, more than 95% of B2B companies, and I've seen the websites, and this is not an internet stat, this is my stat, more than 95% don't even have a YouTube channel. And if they do, then there's nothing that's been posted since you know a year or two years ago. In other words, Brand building now, and that's why I'm glad you, you know, we're trying to be the model. So if people really want to study how it's done, and I'm not saying we're perfect, we're, we're far from it, but we are consistent. So we put out Leaders and Legends every second Wednesday. That's Bob right. Lennon does his thing every Friday. See what I mean? Like you're, yep. you're running a media company now. We're in the media business. So, so Gary, let me, let me do a quick 30 second or so recap of sure. some of the key points for people. And I'll, then I'll give you opportunity for rebuttal to cover what I missed. Okay. So, so we need to make sure that as leaders, we're not advocating responsibility for establishing the brand, not handing off to some junior person marketing, but building a brand based on values. Stories outweigh products or services. So you need to make sure that it's about the story. It's not about listing your features and benefits because reality is nobody cares. You need to make sure that you're emphasizing in your business, how important it is to become a media company. And you want to make sure that as part of that, you're conveying your values and your big ideas, not necessarily conveying just your value, but your values as a business and the big ideas that people can get around. So what did I miss when it comes to this idea in Big Little Legends? 
Yeah, you really nailed it. And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, Ian. It's you can go all the way to America's favorite minor league baseball team, the Savannah Bananas, which has a TikTok following bigger than any major league team in, in baseball. OK, and, and Jesse Cole wears a yellow tux and a top hat seven days a week. Or you can go across the Atlantic Ocean to the old course at St. Andrews, Scotland. Right, which you got to book more than a year in advance to get a tea time. What we did with Big Little Legends was show both sides of the spectrum using the lessons of history, because the further back you can look, the farther ahead you can see. So, Big Little Legends, more than anything, was a statement, hopefully, about the power of vision and how this is how the possibilities are so much bigger when you recognize whether you're packing a minor league ballpark or in Savannah, Georgia, or you're getting, uh, you know, tee off times booked a year in advance at St. Andrews, Scotland, the dynamics are all the same. Sure. Garrett, thanks for joining me. And for our audience, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Same Side Selling Podcast. So long. <laughs>